All right, here we are. It is, uh, I would say this is the first real off-season episode. This is our first deep dive into a uh, league member season. We're very, very excited to have our SACO and our commissioner, the deadly duo, Ben Rubenstein, in the house. Fine. <laughs> Thank you for that. Um, and Kenny, why don't you get us started off with uh, an intro, some shout outs, whatever you got for us before we dive into uh, Rubenstein no sh- season. Yeah, no shout outs. I'm, I'm very excited. I said when we first started, this is the one that it feels like we're back. You know, like we're, we're back in more of a rhythm. I don't think we'll do this necessarily every single week, but I know we're going to get through every single team. That's for sure. Um, it's March 2021, and we still haven't had a Sacco punishment for the last three seasons. Four seasons. <laughs> Four seasons. So we need to figure something out. I'm sure we'll dive into it. Ben, that's not a shot at you. You happen to be the person who hasn't done it. However, you also happen to be the guest. It's, it's nothing but coincidence. I'm just saying time moves very quickly. These punishments seem to not. J.J. Watt went to the Texans, went to the Cardinals, excuse me. I'm curious. I want to pick your guys' brain. A lot of people I know have a one defensive player league. If you guys were to choose one defensive player, who would it be for your fantasy team? I mean, probably Mac or Donald. Somebody I know is going to get 10-plus sacks and three forced fumbles. Hopefully they pick one up for a touchdown. I don't know. I don't really like IDP. I think it's there's too much luck involved. But, yeah, yeah I, would I go, mean. Go for it, Ben. Yeah, I, I mean, I chase young, my boy. But I, I don't know. I think I think there's a, a much more wholesome rooting when you're rooting for, like, a whole defense. Like, I fucking love rooting for a defense. It gets me fired. Oh, up. Like, yeah. For one player, for sure. There's 11 players on the line, like, on a defense. Like, what? I don't know. I'm rooting it's for also, one player so to get the tackle. Involved. Yeah, exactly. So much it's, luck. I don't even – yeah, I don't even like rooting for, like, an over-under. Like, I couldn't really – root for one player that being said i think i definitely would take khalil mack like the guy i feel like the guy's just a forced fumble every single week type of guy yeah um, i mean you got to pick a guy who you know is going to get 10 plus sacks well also i've only played with it a couple times and like by three weeks in if you don't have one of like the 10 guys who's the best 10 idp guys in fantasy football you're just switching them out every week yeah. and then it's really you're just guessing who's Pointless. gonna have a pick like you're trying to play matchups but you could be playing against a great quarterback. The guy could have three picks. Like it's just so much luck. Yeah. I don't know. Not a fan. Well, I think, I think one thing that we want to do moving forward week by week, you know, there's really only so much for us to talk about now, you know, it is very exciting getting, getting into what we're going to be getting into week by week uh, and getting in depth analysis. I think one thing I, I want to try and implement here is a, would you rather every week? There's a whole lot on the internet. They don't need to be that crazy. And my dad is coming into the room. Uh, would you rather wear a t-shirt every day for the rest of your life that was always a little bit itchy or have to use one ply toilet paper for the rest of your life you take a moment i i have my answer and I think probably one ply toilet paper. Like I'm not gonna walk around itchy all fucking day for the rest of my life. I completely agree. Like one ply toilet paper is agree. horrible. It's the worst thing ever, but it's not worse than being itchy for the every second of the rest of your life. Yeah. 
I mean, think about how much more you could invest by saving money buying one ply toilet. Paper. <laughs> Ruben signs like I actually only buy toilet paper made from recycled materials. So yeah, no, those are expensive. <laughs> I buy a you know supermarket branded toilet paper. So I'm going, I'm going one ply all day. It was a crazy. I was reading that before. And I was like, well, I'm in a very interesting position because I'm I I itch all the time, but I also shit a lot. But they seem like an <laughs> obvious choice to me. Like an yeah. obvious choice, one ply. Also, you take I, one ply toilet paper and you fold it over and you got two ply toilet paper. There we go. No. I'm surprised we were all on the same page, to be honest. I'm, I'm surprised we were all on the same page there. Honestly, Kenny, I thought you were going to say wear the itchy t-shirt. That's what I was Oh, expecting. no, I couldn't. I couldn't. I mean, I'd be a disaster. Like, my, I would be just all day. It'd be brutal. <laughs> all right. Well, now that we've figured the really hard questions about life, uh, got those figured out. Let's dive into the season, Rubenstein. Let's start with um, we'll start with your keepers. So you kept you kept Derrick Henry in the third, Russell Wilson in the seventh, EJ Chark in the eighth, who was a free agent pickup from the previous season, and Butker in the sixteenth. Uh, I mean, on paper, I mean, those are Henry and Wilson are two very very good keepers. I mean, in our league, to have those two, Henry especially in the third round, the guy who is the basically the best fantasy player this season. That, that's a very, very good keeper. Uh, and Bucker in the 16th is like, you know, whatever. That keeper doesn't matter. I mean, he ended up dropping him later in the season, but obviously the kicker on the highest scoring team in the league is going to be a good kicker to have. So going into the draft, you had to have felt pretty good about where your team was just right off the bat. Yeah. I mean, first of all, I had to get rid of Russell. Um, he was not going to be keepable and he's not keepable. So He's back on the, the draft board, and that's why I got Josh Allen. Very, very excited to, to have him part of the team. You know, it, what's tough is I have Derrick Henry, who's an automatic keeper um, in the third round, I believe. But like, I have Antonio Gibson, who's just, like, so damn good. And I wish I wish I could have either traded him um, or I wish I could Honestly, I, w- I was more asking, we're really more starting at last year's draft. Uh, I'm talking about your keepers. With all due respect to you, Ben, Will didn't even mention David Johnson. Well, I'm more, I'm not even in the draft yet. I'm just talking strictly going into last year's draft. Got it. Got it. All right. This is a work in progress. This is a, this is a work in progress. We're grinding that over. I probably wasn't that clear (laughs) because I know where I'm going, but you have no idea what we're doing. Let me start from the beginning. (laughs) Here's what we're doing, Ben. We're going to go through your entire season from before the draft to next year's draft my question okay. to you is with the keepers of derrick henry in the third russell wilson in the seventh dj chark in the eighth and bucker in the 16th how did you feel going into the draft you must have felt pretty good with at least henry and wilson two of the best players in fantasy great question oh i felt i felt great i was super pumped to pick up henry the the year before um in the trade and having russell who's time and time again a top three prk wide uh qb uh, Chark, you know, I was, he had a really, he probably, I think he had a top 20 season, uh, two years ago. So I was excited for him to come back. I wasn't thinking he was going to be amazing, but worth an eighth round keeper for sure. Bucker, I mean, couldn't have been more excited to have a kicker locked in going into the draft. Uh, especially the best kicker in the league at the time. So coming off of the Super Bowl, So I was, I was feeling really good. Yeah, uh, I, I mean, I'm sure you, you you were. I think that was a really good core to your team. I mean, I know I was not excited about my core coming in. Obviously, the draft is huge, but it must have been nice to feel that way. And then you get up first pick 
of your draft first round and you pick David Johnson. So now we're looking at a roster that was feeling really good. You had Derrick Henry and Russell Wilson and still had your first round pick and you took David Johnson. Obviously there's big, there were great question marks at the time. You picked him ahead of Mike Evans, Adam Thielen, Jonathan Taylor, Chris Carson, Allen Robinson. You didn't have a wide receiver one yet on your roster. You had a running back one, but you still went with David Johnson. What was the thinking there? you still back that decision or what's your thoughts about that? Yeah. I mean, David Johnson got a lot of love uh, objectively going into the draft, you know, um, subject. He got a lot of love. A lot Everyone of love. chirps David Johnson for sure. Cause he's kind of a fraud, but I knew I'm a big RB drafter early cause they're so rare. And I knew I was either going to get Dylan or Evans as my next pick. Cause I had, um, back to back except one pick so you know going back maybe I take Evans but I, I you know I, I'm pretty happy with honestly my pick like the next I wasn't going to take Taylor wasn't going to take Carson I wasn't going to take you know maybe I could have taken like Connor so I, I think he was really probably the best running back I was going to get uh, for the first two rounds so it didn't turn out that way but I'm I'm honestly okay with it yeah, I mean, obviously you were in a tough spot. If you're looking for a running back, I mean, to not even look at Jonathan Taylor or Chris Carson is a little bit surprising. I mean, I would have – like the way I would have seen this is, okay, I'm going to get Thielen or Evans. Let me pick my pick of Thielen or Evans. I think he still would have gone Thielen probably, right? Yeah, he I mean, probably, I, he, he's been my boy. I've had him – Yeah, for, you had him the year previous in that exact same pick, actually. You had him at the number two – second round pick. Mm-hmm. Um and then you could have been, you know, changed your decision and let the running back fall to you instead of that. I don't know. I mean, it's obviously tough. David Johnson could have had a great year. He had a great first week. I remember you, everyone. You were that was a lecture. That first yeah. week was at, I mean, you absolutely sucker punched everybody with that first touchdown on Thursday night. I mean, you, your draft made complete sense then and there. And obviously it didn't work out like that, but I mean, not for nothing. Yeah, I mean, that that first week set the tone when I lost because you know, the Vikings had negative nine. So it's really yeah. hard to, to morally come back when your defense does that. <laughs> I was going to say, speaking of the Vikings, D, if you go after – you went David Johnson feeling, you kept Henry, and then Antonio Gibson in the fourth, which is by far your best pick of the draft, not including keepers. Antonio Gibson in the fourth was a great pick. If you look really from five, rounds five to 16, you missed on every single pick. There's not a single guy there that you would say helped your team win any games this year. Cooks was okay at best. Jared Cook didn't make it through a few weeks on your roster. I think he only started once for you. Breda obviously stunk because Gaskin was the guy. John Brown was hurt half the season. Coleman was hurt half the season. Alan Lazard was hurt and didn't do much. He had a few big games. Jimmy G got hurt. Eifert sucked. Then the Vikings D you dropped after one week. So that's really tough to not have it. You basically gave yourself no roster off the top. And I mean, you put up pretty impressive numbers for missing this bad in the draft, but it's really tough to look at that. And then, you know, it, it, it makes sense why you struggled this season. You can, you can understand that after looking at your draft at this point. I mean, like I was third in points for, so I, I, I can, I can get on the side that, so I'm looking, looking, you know, cooks was a top, top 25 top 30 wide receivers I wouldn't I wouldn't cancel him out completely um but like you don't really need that many players so the only players I 
didn't have was a tight end. I botched on a tight end. Like I fucking suck at tight end. Two weeks out of 13, you had double digits from your tight end. You had more weeks where your tight end got zero. No, I'm yeah, yeah, that's something like I, I really have always struggled with tight ends and I'm pretty anti the position in general because I think there's only five tight ends that can play football. So it, it's a real, it's a, it's a real weird position. Um, Would you say that? Go for it, Ben. Sorry. No, no, go ahead. I was just going to say, you know, would you say that is one of your biggest weaknesses as a GM? Yeah. Just I accepting tight end. ends. Yeah. I, I, I can't figure out if I should draft someone early or, or wait. So like I've every year, all my leagues, I suck at tight ends. Um, Multiple so, leagues. Oh, wow. I mean, it's just like a thing I need to improve on. Like I, I always have really good everything else, but the tight ends like a 15 point swing every game. Like, yes, yeah. I scored so many points, but if I could have a tight end bringing me 10 points here or there, I could have gone 10 and three. Like, you know, I mean, if you look at Reardon and Lapidot, their season crumbled when Kittle went out. Their season, they basically, I mean, they had a few other injuries, but basically it was all downhill once Kittle went out. I mean, it's a fact that like tight ends very hard to come by. And then you're, you're always stuck in the position where it's like the first or second round, especially in non-keeper leagues where it's like, all right, do I take like George Kittle in the second round or a wide receiver who's definitely going to score more points? But then like you have to decide, you almost are looking at that plus in their own category because you're only playing one tight end, right? So if your tight end can score more, like 10 more than the average tight end does every week, then that's better than your wide receiver who scores five more than the average wide receiver every week because you can, you're filling those points at wide receiver by taking the better tight end. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy. Like you look at the guy, Jimmy Graham was PRK 11, but you know, that's because these tight ends have one game over and he 20. Had, and you started him three times when he scored zero points, Jimmy Graham, or something like that. Uh, not three, but uh, definitely three times, probably under five. Yeah, <laughs> I, it, it was something crazy. You had a couple guys give you zero, I'll tell you that much. Um, yeah. So, yeah, we already lightly touched on week one. Uh, you added Tim Patrick for Tyler Eifert after Cortland Sutton went down for the season. I remember that. Um, that was right before the first game of the week, took a three point loss to Greer, 141 to 138 with, as you mentioned, the Vikings D having negative nine, which is really tough. I mean, obviously that was the defense you drafted, but you also put them up against the Packers in week one. So you must've felt pretty good about the Vikings D when you drafted them to play them against one of the best offenses in the league. Yeah, I mean that 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 second loss certainly certainly frustrating after like I mean we were I was watching me and Greer were texting of course that first game and you know I needed Henry to get another point and uh, or I needed the Vikings not to get minus 9 and of course they it both didn't go my way um but I mean looking at the matchup I mean week 2 I I didn't start I picked up the Chiefs. Yeah, week 2 um, so week 2 you had you picked up you made a couple of good moves week two. You picked up Adrian Peterson for Breda, which was a good pickup. You've got Gaskin for great Tevin pickup. Coleman, which was a great pickup. That was that could have really been, you know, you could have had that running back too you needed to, to go with Henry. Uh, obviously, we know what happens a week later. Uh, you picked up Russell Gage for Tim Patrick, who had some really solid games this year. And then Chiefs D for Vikings D. And then you got your defense have negative one, so negative points two weeks in a row. However, you did lose by 65 when Jesse and Henry put up 180. So not much you could have done there. Yeah. I mean, like 115 for me, because I scored like, you know, 130 average every week was low. Um, but I would have lost regardless, which is just tough. Um, I mean, they put up 180. Like, I think that that's a top 10 score ever. So 
I, I look at I look at the week and it's certainly a bummer. I mean, Russell put up that's great. You put up forty three that week. That guy, that, those first five six weeks, Russell's putting up like forty plus. Unbelievable. Was, he was. I mean, he was the best player in the league, and it wasn't even close the first few weeks of the season. I mean, he was a joke. It was pretty outrageous. I mean, and then yeah. you still took the L, and so now you're going into week three. You're zero and two, and you hit the panic button, right? So you trade Miles Gaskin for Mike Williams and a seventh. What, what was the thought there? You're talking about how badly you need running backs. You now have got a guy who cemented his role as a running back one on a he run first he team. He did not. He did not. He was a. He was. It was a committee at that time with Breda. Um, well, Jordan. It was because Jordan Howard had gotten three one-yard touchdowns in two weeks. He had like six rushes for six yards and three touchdowns. That's all he had. That was the other mm-hmm. guy who he was taking the touchdowns away from. But. Bre- Gaskin was getting more touches than anyone else in the backfield. He was getting double-digit touches every for both of the first two weeks. I mean, so the set, the, it, the Mike Williams wasn't involved. Mike Williams was just to make the trade go through in ESPN. Yeah. Um, but you were giving Gaskin for a seventh. You were basically I was giving saying, Gaskin for the seventh. This is I, some this is some inside info here. Yeah, I I dropped Williams like he's trash. Yeah, you dropped Mike Williams the very next week. Yeah, I mean, I want. I, I thought the seventh at that time was pretty good value. I thought he was still an unproven starting running back. Um, I know he he had the most touches, but like a lot of times, if you if you don't have more than twelve touches, you're it's really hard to to say you're going to score strong every week. So I thought it was good value at the time. Um, clearly, it didn't work out for me. Like Gaskin had a hell of a year, even though he's hurt for you know like what four or five weeks. Like the dude, yeah, he still had did go down. Yeah. So I don't know how much he could actually help me. Like I had Henry and Antonio Gibson, probably the strongest, if not one of them, one, two in the league at for the last probably, you know, five, yeah, six I mean, weeks. Dalvin Cook and David Montgomery was a little stronger, but yeah. Overall, probably, but yeah. there were there were some good weeks where um, but yeah, the Gaskin, I'm I'm excited for for ball, but I, I look forward to having that seventh round pick. I think I can hopefully get uh, someone either right off the bench or a, or a potential flex. Yeah. And you, uh, you made a few other pickups this week, some pretty um, not important ones, but one that I thought was interesting was you added Jordan Akins uh, when you move somebody to the IR um, and you could have gone for Robert Tunyon who had just had a touchdown and was the Packers t- uh, leading tight end through two weeks. Uh, you could have also added Dalton Schultz, at the time, but you went with Jordan Akins or Atkins. Um, I don't know if you really remember that or why you made that decision, but that, you know, right there, that's one where you were looking for a tight end. And as you'll see later in the season, you continue to add tight ends every week. You never <laughs> seem to really make the right decision and get the guy who could have helped you the most. It's the Achilles deal, the tight end curse, man. Yeah, I, I I mean it's it's pretty it's pretty gross. I'm trying to pull up to ensure that like I picked up um, him for a reason. So yeah, I mean you just picked him up because Chark was on IR for that week, so you had no. I know. I'm just trying spot. to see like, why I picked up that tight end, but like Aiken had a good first couple weeks. He had double digits both weeks. Yeah, those yeah, are good he, weeks seven targets in week two like you're getting seven targets like i'm i'm pretty down if you're a tight end i think like that's a big issue I mean, a lot of these tight ends just are in there to block but if you're getting over five targets you're clearly a part of the offense so coming off two big weeks one not even a touchdown but he scored double digits seven targets i thought he was 
pretty strong to to at least put nine ten up on the board so I, I felt pretty good at the time I didn't I mean I didn't start him I kept cook because I drafted him like you can't not draft the, the guy you can't not unfortunately start. you lost to Mark and I by 27 that week 148 to 121 uh, you had John Brown to put up zero and Alan Lazaro with uh, 26.4 on the bench, which is would have actually won you the week by 0.2 had you played him over John Brown, um, which is a tough one. I mean, obviously that's just a toss up. You're talking about two wide receiver twos in two strange games where John Brown was playing against the Rams who had a pretty good defense and the defense you were starting. Um, and Lazar was going against the Saints, who also had a good defense. So, you, you know, that's a tough one. You can't really fault you there. But obviously one where if you had made that decision, you would have won the, uh, won the week. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think I would have made that decision. It, I probably should have considered it more. But it was not that much of a consider. I, I, the fact that he got zero is, was so frustrating because, like, he would put up serious numbers. He put up serious numbers weeks one and two. Like what? Ten targets, six targets, touchdowns both weeks. Um, and then you put up a donut. Like, I, I mean, that's just so tough. So hard to predict that one. I didn't think he could get zero, maybe 10. Yeah. I wouldn't have won, but. Yeah. Well, you were 0-3 going into week four. This week you go for Logan Thomas as your tight end to pick up for the week in which you drop Mike Williams. You just traded for, but you also added Cole Beasley, which was a good ad who ended up having a very, very good season. That was one of your better waiver pickups, but another week where Tanya now has had two back-to-back weeks with a touchdown and the leading score for the Packers uh, into the tight end position uh, and double digits, but you go for Logan Thomas, you start Logan Thomas, you lose to Reardon by almost 40 uh, Logan Thomas puts up 1.8 that week, and Tunyon, who has still not been picked up by anyone, puts up 33.8 on the waiver wire that week, which is tough. Which is tough. You you know you and you end up going 0 and 4. You don't have the opportunity to get Tunyon the next week because you're number two on the waiver wire. Um, but you're now 0 and 4, and that was another week where you just got absolutely annihilated by a team who put up over 180, which is really really tough twice in the first four weeks. Yeah, I mean, like every week, I scored in the top half of, of the league, uh, top six. So I technically got average, should have won every game, um, but clearly did not here. Uh, 187, like I can't, you know, but I was pumped. Gibson, Thielen, Russell didn't put 40, but Logan, like even if he put 15 up, like it's pretty, it's, it's pretty irrelevant here. I was certainly pissed with my tight end play and, Russell Gage was also so all over the place after putting up such strong numbers weeks one and two. Um, but I mean, this is kind of a toss. Like I, I kind of toss this one away. Like I'm losing, I can't, I'm losing teams by 180. Like I can't beat those teams. Yeah. No, yeah those are true. tough. That's always frustrating. Are you, I'm curious, like you're t- now that we know that these tight ends have historically, it sounds like really given you just, just some really frustrating nights. It sounds. Are you behind the scenes looking at the waiver wire, kind of just sweating it out, like really, really going back and forth to debating who you're going to pick up in the tight end position? Or do you do you have an idea of who you're looking for before you even go on? Oh, I'm all into like Rado World and my waivers. Like I do a lot of I spend like a good amount of time when I pick like none of, like as like I have reasons for everything I do. You know, I'm not I'm not just picking these players and they're 
they're sucking and I don't have an idea. Like I have reasoning of why I'm picking them. I do my research. Unfortunately, they're just, it's, it's clearly like, I, I clearly just need a top five tight end. And I, I really just can't be worrying about uh, hitting the lottery. Cause that's what you really, I'm really doing. And it's, yeah. It's actually interesting. I, I, I wonder if just keeping that one tight end, like if I had played Mike Gusecki every single week this season, knowing there's going to be four weeks where he doesn't have a single catch, but at the end of the season, he ends up as tight end seven or eight. Would that have done better for me or not? Because it's you, like, if he had put up 33 weeks and put up zero every other week, he would have been tight end eight, probably like, you know what I'm saying? Like if you had a hundred, you break a hundred points, one of the best tight ends by the end of the season. So it's like, would that have been better for me or would I have only won those three games and not one of the, any of the other games. And it's worth the risk of trying to pick it, mix and match because then you end up starting to mix and match. And the guy you've had all season who you don't play for one week has a hundred points on your bench and you play Logan Thomas who scores one point. Like it, it's so impossible with the tight end and you try to play the matchups yeah. and the matchups don't mean anything when it comes to tight end for some reason, they never mean anything. Yeah, it's just it's just it's like all offensive game plan for that game. Like it's 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 just so tough. So well, you're now 0 and 4. Uh again, you go to the waiver wire for a tight end picking up Greg Olson for Logan Thomas. Uh you also <laughs> added Corey Davis, who was having a very solid season at the time and had a few more very. big games. So that was a good pickup. Um and Keelan Cole, you added um later in the week, but then lost again to Tyler and Joey. Uh, 142 to 129. Olsen had three points with your drafted tight end, Jared Cook, having 13 on your bench. And Shark, who you started, had four points. And Brandon Cooks had 30 on your bench. So another week where a couple of decisions, kind of the difference between you winning and losing. And I'm just going to say, Ruben said, yeah, you scored the 130. But uh, we've had this conversation before. You need the weeks where you score 150. And if you make these two correct decisions, you score 160 this week. And so Yes, your team was good. It was one of the better rounded teams. But to your fault, you didn't play the guys every week you needed to play to give your team the 150s and 160 weeks. You only broke 150 once. And that was your highest scoring week of the season when you scored 152 points, 153 points. So, you know, that's the difference is the teams that won this league are the teams like Danny's team and Ball's team who put up 173 times a year. Yeah, they'll score 60 or 70 points a couple of times, but they put up 173 times a year, and that secures them those wins. So when Jared Cook went down, Ben, were you just like, oh, my God, I can't believe these tight ends are coming back to haunt me? No, they haunted me from when I drafted him. But he was looking good. I mean, you know, I'm, the first few weeks of the season, I'm looking at the numbers. He, he was putting up some points, more than it sounds like any tight end you've ever had has done for you. <laughs> And then Logan Thomas comes in and just starts dudding it up. Was it kind of like, oh, my God, it's coming back? Well, Logan Thomas actually had like a pretty – probably had more zeros, more non-zeros than zeros. Like, it's just – it's so tough. I mean, I put up 130. If I started a better tight end, I probably still would have lost. Um, Like, I I don't know. I I really coach my team to go in and and be the best, but – I don't really coach them to have sporadic like 180. So I, I may, may, maybe it's, maybe I'm more risk adverse in terms of starting. And like, because of that, I score a lot of points, but with the luck that comes with fantasy football, there's a lot of luck. Like if I'm more, if I lean into risks more, I probably will have more of a shot to win games. Um, but like, 
that shouldn't be the case, but I think it could be with such the luck involved. And it's interesting what you said about luck and risk, because I think it's similar with trading. I am not, I don't like to take big risks in trading. I don't, I want to make sure I'm not getting, you know, I'm not losing the trade. That's what I want to make sure. But if you look at some of the trades Danny made this year and credit to him, because he won the league, some of those looked questionable at the time. The, the um, He took a risk with the Russell Wilson, Josh Allen trade. Like Josh Allen was having a sick season, but Russell Wilson's Russell Wilson. That was a risk. Like there was no guaranteed winner from that trade. If you look at the Kamara trade he made with ball uh, early in the mm-hmm. season, there was a lot of risk in these trades and he got a lot of slack for some of them at the time, but taking that risk gives you the chance of being lucky in other situations. It gives you the chance of being unlucky, obviously, and you could end up blowing up and being the sack up. But, you know, it's just interesting how in fantasy football risk is such an, on a similar line to luck because to get that luck in fantasy sports, you need to take that risk. Yeah, no, I, 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 yeah, I think I'm, you know, there, there's a lot of different pieces that like you have to rule in of how can you make yourself the luckiest because scoring the most points in the league or one of them isn't going to win you championships. Like you really got to like optimize every week. Like how can I score the absolute most points? Cause it doesn't matter. Uh, like league season long, which I don't know if I agree with, but like in the current standings, it's just, it's important to, to try to win the week and take risks. I think take more risks. Well, finally week six came, you were 0 five coming in Ugh. and you went, you went for a stroke of Fitz magic on the waiver wire. And Ugh. as I remember Kenny saying, when he saw Fitz magic in your lineup, he was very nervous and you go on to beat Kenny 136 to 99, get your first dub. Fitz magic puts up a solid 22, I mean, what do you guys remember from this week? How did that feel for both of you? Kenny must have been tough losing to the winless Rubensteins. It was over before it started. I truly <laughs> was like, I, for whatever reason, I was talking so much smack on Fitzmagic going into it. I could not believe he was not only a starting quarterback in what is such a competitive fantasy football league, but he was like seriously contributing. And then literally the next day, Ben put him in and I, I, I didn't think I had much of a chance, unfortunately. But Ben, I'll let you take it away. I mean, yet again, I put up the same amount of points. And finally, I, I get a win. So, like, it, it feels – it just felt like it had to happen. Like, I don't, I don't know how many more times I can put up the same amount of points. Um, but – so, it felt good. And Fitzmagic, like, that dude is a character. Um, so to have him lead my team to a dub was, I mean, and they get like, dude, that guy, the, his whole season blows my mind. Like of how that one of the weird, his whole season, weirdest. his whole career, one of the weirdest situations really in the NFL from start to finish. Truly unbelievable. Yeah. Like I'd love a doc about like his mindset of being put in winning, like, you know, six and one getting benched going back. In, yeah. Well, Talking about getting benched, you get your first win and then you drop Russell Gage and Ryan Fitzpatrick the next morning. Um, <laughs> you add Keelan Cole, you add Des Bryant for Jared Cook, Jared Cook getting the axe. And as I remember, the day before you dropped Jared Cook, you tried to trade him to us for some garbage. Um, we almost made a trade and then you dropped him the next day. Uh, you added Ryan Suckup for Harrison Butker, which was a bit surprising at the time. 
Um, but I'm sure you had your reasons. Bucker didn't end up being the best kicker in the league this year. Um, and you added uh, Jarvis Landry for John Brown. So you, you, you won your first game, but you went for four or five ad drops that week. Um, adding Dez, obviously, that was kind of a hot ad that week. You could have added Marvin Jones Jr. You end up getting him later in the season. So didn't hurt you too much because he wasn't really relevant until later in the season. Um, but you're unable to beat Evan and Matt. You lose by 13, 147 to 134. Your boy DJ Chark, again, with a disappointing single-digit number in this, your starting lineup with three points. Meanwhile, Cole Beasley had 22, and uh, Corey Davis had 15 and a half on your bench. If you played either of them, you would have won the week that week. So kind of another week. Obviously, you know, I, this was a big thing all season for other teams. But, you know, again, you put up the 134. Had you put up the 150, you win this week. That's the difference between 130 and 150, and you had the opportunity. You had the players to get that number. Yeah, I think, again, it comes down to my team was very good. So I would put up a lot of points, but to, to win, I, I, I got to take more risks. Like, Colby, like, I just have to take more risks. Like, that, that's, how, that's how you win. But even my tight end put up eight points. That was a win. <laughs> I, I definitely chalked that one up as a dub. Um, this was tough. I mean, those kids are, those kids are, you know, tough to deal with in the first place. So. Um, losing to them is not something that I enjoy. Um, but yeah, I think, I mean, I scored 135 probably for like the sixth straight week. So it's just tough. Certainly is. You're now sitting at one and six going into week eight. You're probably, you would think starting to panic a little bit more, um, making some crazy changes, trying to make trades, either trying to tank or, but you kept, as you kept saying all season, your team scoring the points. You're going to trust your team. You're going to keep going. You uh, added Carlos High for Des Bryant, but then picked Des Bryant back up for Keelan Cole, uh, and added Gus Edwards for Carlos Hyde at the time, who looked like he was starting to get some more touches. But you then lose to Hugh in what turned out to be a pretty huge week in the season. Although I remember us at the time thinking it was a huge week because uh, you both were really struggling, and. You lose by 34. We only scored 114, so you can't do the whole thing, whatever. And then Corey Davis puts up 27 on your bench, and none of your other wideouts broke double digits. So you, you had to be starting to really panic. At 1-7 and seven now, you've lost to your person you're competing with for the Sacco. You kept saying you weren't panicking, but season's now over. You had to have been pretty panicked at this point. I mean, when I lost to Hugh, I was not happy. Um because I beat him in points every week before that. Like I scored more points than him in, in seven or in seven straight weeks. So, you know, that's just, that's just tough, honestly tough. And I had Gibson out. That was tough. Uh, I picked up Dez really to a longer term play of if he was going to come back and, you know, be a star or he was at least going to be worth potentially keeping. So that was a longer term play. I mean, this is tough. I put a 115 that probably beat most, not probably most, but half. Could have probably beat half or just less. Not great week. But like 140, that's a lot of points. Like I don't I, I didn't score that much points ever. So not ever, but yeah, just, you would have beaten tough. eight other teams in the league that week. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's just like I I, I score more than most of the league every week, but 
I, I still have to take risks, but I'm still scoring a ton of points. Like, it's really tough. Yeah, it's tough. Um, You're now one and seven going into week nine. Chances of making the playoffs look slim to none at best. Uh, winning out would still leave you with a pretty horrid record. Uh, you add Marvin Jones this week for Gus Edwards and pick up the Washington football team for the Rams D and your team has its worst week of the season scoring 95 points, losing to Danny by 44. And now you're one and eight. So where do you go from here? I mean, this was brutal. Like Derek, Derek puts up, you know, six points. I mean, Russell puts up sub 30. Thielen puts up six points. This was a pretty yeah, – this was probably the scariest week of the year where my team was so like, – this is the only – I think this is the only week I scored less than 115. So it was a shocker that my team could do this. Um, and as the rest of the season went, this is definitely not how I scored. But the fact that this was my situation, I was, I was, I was, pretty, I was pretty pissed. Um, even my kicker. Like I, I, I love my kickers, and four points for my kicker is fucking – chump so yeah I'm, I'm pretty pissed all around here not panicking but don't feel in a strong position that's for sure so at what point do you do you start thinking that you really might be the sacko like playoffs is one thing but really starting to think about those pancakes not until the last second of when amara cooper called that touchdown like i still thought i was gonna win win more games than hugh like my team was good. I was scoring a lot of points every week. So I really didn't see myself ever being the sack up. Um, and so you, you felt that you had the team, no matter what, worst case scenario, I at least my team is going to win more games than his team, even though I know I'm not going to make the playoffs at this point, but I'm not worried. Like my team has been performing. I'm scoring 130 every week. If I score 130 each of the next four weeks, I'll win at least two games and I won't be the sack that's yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't see how in my scenario the third best team in points could be the Sacco. So, I guess I was lying to myself, but that's really how I how I felt. Um, so it's it's pretty pretty confusing internally to have that type of mindset. But like, I didn't think it was possible. I was scoring a lot of points all year. Like, how could I actually be the Sacco with the amount of points I'm scoring? It's funny. I remember once Mark and I, I think the year Wilk won Sacco, we were, you know, a game or two ahead of Wilk tops, but I think a game ahead of Wilk. And we were bugging. Like, we knew we had a good team, but we were like, well, I mean, what if we're the fucking Sacco? Like, this would be fucking horrible. Like, we're not going to run a half marathon. Like, whatever. And so I remember really fucking panicking. And, like, I think that probably changed my decision-making, like, more than anything to make – like, I wanted more than anything to not be the Sacco. Like, you don't, you seems like you never felt that way. And so you just kept being like, all right, trust my team, trust my team, trust my team. We kept asking, when are the changes coming? But you kept trusting your team. You were putting up the points. Do you think if you had done things differently, I know we're coming back to risk again and just changed it all up because you needed to, because you needed to risk it. Do you think that could have changed your hopes? Or do you look at these last four games coming up where you, you lost three of them and think to yourself, there's nothing I could have done? I mean, like, I really don't see how, like, in the middle of the season or at the end of the season, I, I think I had the right mindset um, of how to win games. And I, I guess I could have taken more risks, but that's not how I was thinking at all. 
Uh, I was thinking like, how can I get the most points? But I wasn't thinking like if I start this T player, I potentially could get an extra 10 points to win games. So I, I was just very confident and I've never been the Sacco in anything I've ever done. So um, I don't really know how that ever felt. So I didn't think it was believable. Well, week 10 comes around and you're one of eight coming in. You're going up against Conti, who scores a lot of points as well. You add the Saints defense during the week. You add Teddy Bridgewater. And you beat Conti. You beat him by 18. You did the Saints D. You pick him up and they put up 15 points, which is great. Uh, you had a huge week for Marvin Jones with 23.6. You played the right players. You won with your tight end scoring zero, uh, which is always nice. And so you're rolling again. You're now two and eight. You must feel a little bit more confident. You're rolling. And you're rolling. Well, you at that point, we're all like, okay, Rubens, I got one more win. He's not going to be a sacco. He's going to be a sacco. He's not going to win a few more games. I was, at this point. I was still bugging at this point. I, I easily could have gotten it. It, it didn't feel like Hughes team was going to win enough games. Once Rubenstein got to two wins, it felt like Hughes team wasn't going to win more than three. You'll probably see one more win from Rubenstein. Like it didn't feel like he was going to get to four. So that was a big win. You were rolling. And then you go and trade Russell Wilson and Marvin Jones for Josh Allen and Daryl Henderson. The very next day after this win, mm-hmm. Russell Wilson started to perform a little, a little worse than he had been the rest of the season. You wanted to get a keeper. Josh Allen in the 10th round might be one of the best keepers in the league. Definitely. And you go ahead and make this trade. At this point, what was the thought? I'm now ready to be tanking and preparing for next season, or I'm both tanking and making my team better at the same time? Yeah, I mean, I didn't think – I think I was perfectly fine having Josh Allen, who's also a top five QB and PRK in the league. Like, I didn't need Russell to win games. Um, and I just didn't want to be Sacco, but definitely was more focused on next season and – like Russell's useless to me and okay. I sacrificed like two points a week for getting Josh Allen. Like that's not going to make or break most matchups. So I was more than happy to, to, to get rid of Russell um, to, to get Allen. So I, I stay, I definitely stand by that call and I'm excited for Allen this upcoming season. I bet you are. Uh, you made a few other moves that week. Adding Logan Th- Thomas back to the roster for Des Bryant. He's back. <laughs> you brought the Vikings defense yeah. back in after their negative nine week one. You trusted the Vikings defense again. You picked them up for the Saints D. And you added Carson Wentz because the quarterback you just traded for in a in a situation in the season where in situation in the season where you need to win every game you have left. You traded for a quarterback whose bye week was coming up. And so you had to pick up Carson Wentz. And you play Carson once, he plays okay, he scores 18 points, and you lose the ball by 16, 136 to 120. The Vikings D, who you picked up, had three points. The Saints D, who you dropped, had 17 points this week. You play DJ Chark again, trusting him with eight points. Corey Davis on your bench with 16. A few tough decisions in a week you needed to win. You, you didn't get killed in the quarterback situation, but what were you thinking now? I mean, I was thinking, like, I, I, I think my mindset really stays the same of needing to, to win. I mean, and, you know, here, here in, so it, it's, it's really tough. Like, I think I need just like an internal understanding of weighing luck versus points. Um, like, so it, it's just, it, it, it's really tough. Um, what let you trust the Vikings D again? Like I know personally, not only if a team scored negative nine for me, I would never have played them again, but 
when I look to picking up defenses, any defense that's had negative points is basically immediately crossed off my list. I'm not taking that risk of one of my players putting up negative points. Yeah, I, I, dude, defenses are so weak-based. Vikings picked it up at the end of the season. They tried to make a playoff push, so they were definitely a far better team. Like beginning of the season, what they were like one in five or something. It was a terrible start for the Vikings. So they were playing a lot better. Um, let me look at look at their numbers. But say that yeah. week, that week that you made that that swap out, the Saints were playing, were hosting the Falcons, and the Vikings were playing the Cowboys. So you'd think obviously the Cowboys probably not going to put up many points, and they ended up putting twenty-eight against the Vikings and the Saints blew out the Falcons. But coming off a week where the Saints put up a lot for defense in general, I feel like I know you got to play matchups there, but I'm almost more just 10 likely to incline to to keep a defense that's hot, especially if they're playing an offense that could kind of explode, but the team has just been shitty. Yeah, like defenses are tough. Like I mean, what's tougher, defense or tight ends? Um, well, tight ends. I think tight ends by not, far. It's not fair. Defense is half luck. The defense isn't like you have no skill picking up a defense. Like you can, you can look, you'll, you'll look at their pass. You're basing it straight off of matchup unless like yeah. somebody dropped one of the best defenses in the league, which doesn't tend to happen. So you're basing it straight off of matchup. And in this case, honestly, I get it. Dallas had been the worst of offense the last three weeks. They couldn't get the ball moving. Andy Dalton was concussed. He had COVID. They were playing some guys' names I can't even bring up right now. I don't even remember Lucci. what their names were. Yeah, whatever. The Delucci. Yeah, Mr. Delucci they were playing. And yeah. so, obviously, this was the right play, most likely. Like, this yeah. was probably the right play. But you got fun. Yeah. I mean, there's zero. Like, yeah, choosing a defense, you know, I'm going to read my Rado world. I'm going to look at the matchups. I'm going to look at their past scores. But you got to cross your fingers. They go – four points or higher you know so it's i think it's it's just it's just tough well now you're two and nine you're going into week 12 at two and nine you're going to get to play josh allen for the first time you make a few ad drops pick up gus edwards pick up nelson aguilar and drop Wentz because you don't need Wentz anymore you pick Cortland sutton up i assume as an option as a keeper for logan thomas and then you pick des up and drop aguilar up who you had just picked up and you get the win you beat Greer by 27. You have a huge week, 153. This is your highest scoring week of the season. And you beat Greer. And so now you're three and nine. And it's all coming down to week 13. You know what the situation is. You're going into week 13. I'm going to play the number one ranked team in the league. He's got a nervous, we can tell. Well, the thing, the thing was, got- going into week 12, I needed to win and Hugh needed to lose mm-hmm. for me to be in the right spot. And that happened. So I was feeling like you controlled your own destiny. I control my own destiny. I scored probably more points than you every week, the week, but the week I played him. Uh, so I probably had like an, you know, 85, 90% chance of, of me either winning or losing and Hugh also losing. Like the percent chance of meeting the Sacco was super low going into the week. Um, so. No, I mean, this was big. You controlled your own destiny. This was huge. You, you, you got a huge win. And well, let's fast forward. Your ad drops don't matter this week. <laughs> You're going into the week. Saturday, we got a few games, maybe. We got Sunday. You know you know, he's got Amari Cooper on Monday. Yeah, the Antonio Gibson going down on Monday, right? That was a COVID pushback game where you had, you had a Monday afternoon and then a Monday night game. Is that what happened? Something like that, right? Oh, oh yes, yes. Okay. It was like a what? It was like a was Tuesday. it a Tuesday we played? 
It could have been a Tuesday. Yeah, I think it was. Was it the Ravens and the Steelers? Because the Ravens-Steelers game the week before had been pushed back to like a Wednesday. So then mm-hmm. the Ravens and Steelers both played on Tuesday against you and against um, Dallas. That was a great part of football like all week. Yeah, that was when football was literally on every day of the week. That was – yeah, it was except two – that was – that was amazing stuff. I mean, each football game, it's just so cherished. Like, I cherish every single game. Like, I, I haven't missed the Wizards game, and I gotta tur- I've got to turn my CSN up on here in a second. But uh, Nick's on at 8.30, um, four seed in the East. Don't sleep. Yeah, I got to change my seating setting. But, I mean, this was, this was definitely the toughest loss I've ever faced. I mean, one time in high school, I'm, I was at the line, and I needed to make two free throws to – to go up by to go up by four and I went one for two and two seconds left the guy throws a full court heave and guy chucks it three point line goes to OT and we lose so that was that was <laughs> uh, <laughs> that was one of my other really tough losses for sure but well, I mean one, that was this a, one's up there yeah they, I mean that's Gary. unbelievable but we we got on the zoom fourth quarter Amari Cooper hadn't been doing much all game I think he needed what did he need? Like twelve points to beat you, or something like that? I thought like like eleven. Eleven. Or... Yeah, it was or something it could have been like thirteen. It it wasn't. It was something. No, it was eleven. That he had done it was 11 most point, of the season. It was ten point nine. Is what it was. I'm Got looking it. at the math right 10 now. Point, yeah, ten point nine. That sounds right. Ten point nine. Um, he hadn't done much all game. They started to get near the red zone. There was an interception that happened that did not get called an interception and that Baltimore did not challenge. Right. Am I right about this? In the back of the end zone, the guy made a sick interception. They didn't challenge it. They ran the ball three times with Zeke. They couldn't get it in with Zeke from the one yard line. They throw it to Amari Cooper and you're the sackle of the league. I've never, yeah, that was, that was just out of control. I mean, I think they, they missed another call. They missed like an all. They missed another call too. Yeah. They missed another call. Um, like there was a series of events. Like the reality it was everything is, wrong that could have happened happened. Right. Yes. Like yes, Amari usually scored more than that. I think he did all but like three or four times. But the fact that it got to that stage in that matchup, like I was feeling confident enough. Um, so like I that was some serious serious heartbreak. Like I, I mean, it was almost as bad as uh, no, it was way worse than the Wizards getting. Uh, losing by Bradley Beal slipping. Um, I don't know if anyone saw that. Bradley Beal Celtics. Slipped. Yeah, he slipped in the corner, turned it yeah, over. So, um, so hard. Yeah, I certainly was... hope that this was way worse than a regular season loss in a season in which you're the third <laughs> no, worst no, team in the East. <laughs> that, that was my most recent heartbreak moment. But this is, you know, probably 10, 15, 20x. Like I, I've never been a sack up. Like I don't, I don't come in last. Like I, I compete every year my historical standing in our league and every other league. Like I'm a, I'm a six, six, five seed in every year. So I have a lot of learning. I think I've uncovered stuff just through these conversations of how I can, you know, learn how to win games, even though I score the most, some of the most points. Well, you said it right there, actually, which I think is interesting. You're a five or six seed most years and you seem content with that. How often does the five or six seed win fantasy football? I bet not that often. I bet one of the top three seeds wins most years because the teams that are best all season tend to win. They do. They tend to win fantasy football leagues. The team that wins 10 or 11 games, that team tends to score a lot, a lot more points than every other team. 
Yeah, I think we looked this up, but like I think it's pretty like, usually the better team wins. I, I think I did this analysis, but yeah, it's it's weird because I I guess my mentality of just like, my mentality has always been like just make the playoffs, make the playoffs. I never had the mentality of like needing to win the regular season because like it's just like you really just have to get to the playoffs because there's a lot of luck involved. So I didn't really ever like view needing to win the regular season like I was like let me make the playoffs like that's all I really care about so maybe that's why I've been a little more risk adverse because like I basically all my fantasy life I've guaranteed myself a playoff spot like in our league I've made it three out of the past five years and one year I was this like the seventh seed and you know last year obviously I was the sacko but I've like I just maybe I need to change my mentality uh in team morale in the locker room too to 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 be a little different um, but that's, well, big, certainly that's tough. a big, that's a big question mark. I mean, look at, you're the commissioner and taking that out of the equation. And we, we thank you for your commitment to this. You're, you're you are Chevy chase thunder and you have a fan base that are Chevy chase thunderings. And many of them, there have been rumblings that they're questioning your commitment to excellence. How do you, how do you get across to them that you are competing to not just be a five or six seed and actually go on and win a championship because even speaking right now it's hard to believe that no that's that that's a poor comment ryan um there's a, di- <laughs> <laughs> there's a big difference what between it's what you said no, no 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 it's different between like i don't care really about winning the regular season but obviously our whole mindset is winning the championship um like including luck there's a lot of luck in fantasy football as we we know so my mindset's really let's get to the playoffs and then I can win the championship. My commitment to the league is, is unparalleled. Um, and I think that goes to show with the amount of effort and documents and uh, reasoning and guidance I provide. So I don't think there's any doubt in my lack of commitment due to my record. Um, I'm very active on every channel and I think I have reasoning. I have reasoning for every decision I make, even if it's the wrong decision at the end of the day so um i i don't believe that that would correlate but i appreciate the inquiry so are we going to see last when we had spoken last year this is probably middle of the season we were speaking about culture changes within the organization and you had mentioned you were getting a new dc it sounds like maybe you're thinking about getting a new offensive coordinator go for the big plays a little more but what about a name change Every team we've seen, I know this sounds ridiculous, every team we've seen do a name change, they get hot. And maybe it's a mentality thing. You can start making some differences, different decision-making that goes into it. But I think a name change could be big for you. Have you ever thought about that? No, I won't be changing my name. Uh, Chevy Chase Thunder is my fantasy football name across my, I mean, more than just football. Any face I've ever done, it's always been the Chevy Chase Thunder uh and i get i get a lot of chirps but i i have to stand by my team i think i was probably influenced by the kd russell westbrook harden um thunder at the at probably our all of our infancy of fantasy sports was kind of that era um when we were at 10 11 12 when those guys were just the most fun team ever so there was definitely some influence there and i'm from the the great town of chevy chase so I, I don't see, I don't see a near future of any name change. Um, I, I have not heard of any inquiries into 
the need to change. But um, so I'm pretty firm. All I'm saying is, like, if you go, like, if you start the season at, like, 0-3 next year, you can just make it Ruben team, and I almost guarantee you win that week. That's all I'm saying. I don't know how it goes for the rest of the season, but we see it frequently. Um, I'm curious. I'm very curious about, about this next question. Where would you rank yourself in the league power rankings, both as a team as well as a GM? So separate answers. You want to put them together, but one by one. How are you? How are we separating them? Well, your team right now, whatever you're going to keep, whatever keepers with whatever draft pick in comparison with the rest of the league. What would be your power ranking for where your team sits in the offseason right now? The draft picks you have, I don't know how many. I mean, you probably you have an extra seventh rounder. The keepers you have and the draft position you have versus the rest of the league, where would you put yourself in the power rankings going into next season? Yeah, I mean, I put myself very high, probably in the top four for sure. Um, I, I have a top three, top four PRK QB, a top three, top one, maybe even running back Derrick Henry. I don't think I have a great receiver. I have a lot of good receivers that – you know, I'm excited about, um, but I think I'm definitely going to go in and, and score 130 every week, but that's kind of the, the new mindset I need to be. Um, I, I, yeah, so I feel very strong. I think I'd probably in the, the three, the three to four range for sure. I don't, so I have a QB RB, my WR isn't amazing, but the QB is an RB, like, you know, you can get a lot of points out. So I feel, I feel top four for sure. And, would and you also- as your abilities as a GM, where would you rank yourself in the league? Oh, I mean, I rank myself. I have to rank myself first, but I think I put a lot of effort into it. Uh, does that mean the results show? Like, obviously, Greer and Fishbine have have shipped a few times, so that's pretty amazing. And they they should, you know, probably be the best GMs in the power ranking. Um, me as a competitor, I think I'm going to always be the best. But like objectively, they've they've won. Like if you won the championship, and you, I think we all. I, I built this sheet of like, of people who consistently like make the playoffs, and um, like season wins. Here, I can share my screen quickly. But like I am, I am you know very very high. I have you know tied for the second. I actually have to update this season, but I have three playoff appearances and only a couple teams have more than that. So objectively, I'm probably in that same like four or five range, but like, I think I'm the best, but objectively probably four or five, three or four or five. Well, going into next season, you get to pick whatever draft pick you want. You are the worst team of the Sacco. You can tell us right now, if you'd like, you're probably either going to take one or 12 that's usually the two best to take um, your keepers. My guess would be Derek Henry in the third, unless you go for Gibson in the fourth, which I think, I think you'll probably go for Henry. You can tell us if you want Josh Allen, you'll keep obviously in the 10th. That's a no brainer. And in terms of wide receiver, you got Thielen in the second or Cole Beasley in the eighth round. Those are probably your two best options. Have you given this any thought your keepers, or you're just not ready to talk about this yet? It's early in the offseason. The draft hasn't happened. The NFL draft I'm talking about hasn't happened. Free agency hasn't even officially opened. So I'm sure there's a lot of questions that are still unanswered. But if you know, we're talking right now. What 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 are your thoughts? 
Yeah. I mean, I feel great about Allen and Henry. Those are locked. I wish I could keep Gibson, but he's a little scary. Um, and he's a, he's a Washington football teamer. So I have uh, some bias that's probably not healthy. I think I'm, you know, I'm excited about players like Jarvis. I think he really showed up at the end of the year, especially as being the Browns best receiver. I know Odell was out, but I think he was super exciting and he's really, he's really a WR one and either, I think he'd excel in Cleveland or maybe, maybe it gets split up. Um, I know everyone loves some OBJ rumors, but I think he's really strong. Cole Beasley, dude, if that guy comes back for another year, that guy puts up stupid points. Um, Corey Davis, <laughs> I think, is a sneaky one. That guy is fucking good. Davis is yeah, great- he, honestly, he when he got drafted by them, I thought he was going to be the next big thing. Obviously, A.J. Brown's nasty, but, like, the Titans, like, with them two and Tannehill and, like, Johnny Smith's, like, kind of good. Like, I mean, they, they, they're going to be a good team again this year. They just are. They have a lot of they're weapons. Just- Tannehill's yes. good enough. He is, which still blows my mind. It still blowed my mind when they – when they benched Marcus for him two years ago, <laughs> but what a move. And yeah, hey, I take Mariota in Washington over uh, Heineke and Allen, but um, yeah, pretty, I feel pretty good overall, but I got to figure yeah. out the wide receiver. We got two more questions for you. This is a kind of an obscure one. I don't know if you'll have an answer for this, but. What would you consider to be Chevy Chase Thunder's NFL team comparison? I mean, I guess the Washington football team. <laughs> we, <laughs> we answer everybody. We usually, that's the I most. Mean, we usually make, we make, but it's not fair because I make the playoffs more than the Washington football team does, but. Uh, I've never won a championship. That's, I don't think that's fair. I, I, I got to be like a playoff border team. Um, the moment of the episode, though. <laughs> like you're the Chiefs yeah. until they got Mahomes. That's fair. Like just kind of disappointing. Like, or I'm like the Titans. I could be like the year. Titans. The Titans sure. or, uh, or like the Colts from last year. Um, like these, these playoff borderline teams that either make the playoffs or barely miss it every year. So, yeah, I, th- I think I think those are fair. Um, I, I need to be a playoff every year team, but I'm almost that. But I'm not I'm not there yet. But I mean, would yeah, you rather? That's tough. Would you rather win a championship or have an entire season go by where you're never blamed for anything? Oh well, I. <laughs> That's not how it works. Like, I don't think there's an opportunity to not be blamed. That's kind of part of it. So I'd rather win a championship and be blamed because that's probably what will happen this upcoming year. So um, I'm okay. already preparing for it. <laughs> well, there's only one more question I think everybody wants to know. And that is, when will we see you in Denny's eating pancakes? Because... That's really or the only IHOP. thing that's important at this point. Or IHOP. Just a pancake place, really. That's I, it. We're getting closer. Let me tell you that. I think we post definitely got to get the Vax. Uh, my dad just got one today. Pretty excited for him. Um, I think we could do a really – we could do Instagram lives of, you know, the other previous Sackos. 
them doing it as well. So I think we're probably, we're probably a couple months away. Um, but I mean, unless you go to Texas and their COVID's done. And 100% open. We're mass mandate. 100% open. Texas and Mississippi. <laughs> One natural disaster and everyone loses their fucking skull over there. So I, I, I'd hope this summer, I, I think definitely this summer we could wrap pancakes outside if it's nice. Like I'm down to just chill outside um, at minimum and all day and eat pancakes. So I'd say definitely this summer. Well, uh, I think we're all hopeful of that. Uh, and unless you have any last words or Kenny, if you have anything, this has been uh, excellent diving into the season. I think we all learned a lot about your season. I think you learned a lot about yourself as a manager. I think you're looking forward to some changes you can make next year. And this was almost like therapy for you. So you're welcome. This is great. No, we covered us. We covered a lot of demons. A lot yeah, of and, and J board applications are going to come out soon. I won't be making decision. Like, of course, public decision, but I can, I'll, I can, you know, draft up some questions that could be helpful for J board applicants to answer for the, for the collective group, but I'm excited to get that rolling. So that works. well, well, what an episode. This, was, this was excellent. Commissioner Sacco Rubenstein. We will uh, speak to you soon, and uh, Hugh and Harry are up next. We will have them in a couple of weeks. Um, but thank you all for listening, and I uh, hope everyone's having a good off season. See you, boys. Peace. Much appreciated. Take care. Go Wiz. <laughs>